0: okay no, so we we are going to be presenting to you uh the first part of the message uh the vision that God has given angela and i and uh uh how we would like for you guys to be to take the journey with us it's It's a fun journey yeah it's uh it's a very blessing journey so uh that is really the biggest, the biggest thing is uh, you know what we are doing. Uh, we are an organization that is going to uh, be drilling wells in rural areas of Zambia, and uh, not only drilling water wells, we are also going to be working with churches and uh, rural schools. So I'll, I'll let Angela share part of that.
1: So some of you are aware, and we've shared with, with some of you individually through the course of the last year and a half, um, the idea as Bornwell started to, to share for the Matthew 7:12 project actually was born in 2012. And it wasn't until 2021 that the Lord brought it to fruition and brought people into our lives that, that we had shared with, that had been praying with us through the years regarding it to help us get it started. So we have everything done stateside now as far as a 501c3 um, nonprofit charitable organization. And we're in the process of, of working in Zambia as well. So we do, we created a um, vision statement that is actually just the scripture, Matthew 7:12, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Um, that will guide what we're doing when we think about of course we've been to Zambia, Bornwell grew up there and we know what the rural churches their struggles are when I am sitting in a in a rural church in Zambia it is a lot different than sitting here on a Sunday morning the seats are definitely not as comfortable let me tell you and we do have some pictures in the back so that you can see some of that Um, but they're not even worried so much about the seats sometimes they would just like a building or they would like a roof on their building, or they would like windows or doors, and some of those types of things. So we're we're going to, um, that vision of doing to others as you would have them do to you. So if we lived on the other side of the world and somebody else had the ability to help us, what we would like them to do for us. But um, the mission statement, is actually that the goal of the Matthew 7:12 project is to provide rural villages, rural schools, and rural churches in Zambia with resources to create healthy, sustainable environments that increase life expectancy, educational opportunities, and spiritual growth. So we will concentrate in those three areas with those goals.
0: Uh, as Angela was saying, uh, you know, she was talking about the churches there, uh, what we can help. Uh, just, uh, oh, I think it was last month or so, you know, I got a, a picture from my brother. He sent uh, uh, of, uh, you know, from our church, from the church there, that he took a picture of a snake that they killed within, uh, in the church. It's a black mamba, you know. I so. say,
1: not just any snake, a black mamba, which one, is a member of the cobra family.
0: One of the most poisonous snakes so and and again i say that because of how did that snake get in there you know there's no windows there's no doors so so those are some of the projects that we are we are working on trying to trying to build you know and uh, again as angela was saying you know she was talking about the concentration the areas of concentration that we are going to be working on you know our 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 focus are those three areas because those are the most neglected areas. When you, when you, when you, when you look at rural areas of Africa, rural areas of Zambia, those the rural areas they are absolutely neglected. You know the suburbans in the urban areas they, they are better off than those not, not as good as here, but uh, you know they have uh, the resources there. With them, our main concentration to start with is going to be the water. You know, because you know, none of us you know can survive without water. You know, as as I'm thinking of that, you know, uh, I wonder how far each one of you would be willing to walk to go get a cup of water. How far you're willing to walk? any takers? Bill says that to his kitchen. And how far is your kitchen Bill? Ten steps. Ten steps. That's, that's, that's quite a walk. That's quite a walk. Any takers? Any other takers? See now, let me, add, let me add a different aspect to that. How many of you are willing to go get drinking water that is dirty water? How far are you willing to walk? to go get drinking water, which is dirty water. You wouldn't be willing to walk anywhere to go get dirty water, to drink water. You'll be walking. Uh, Those of you who live in town, you'll be calling the city department that, hey, what's wrong with this water? okay let me let me tell you an experience I had an experience last week, I guess some good cause last week. Hey, when are you turning my power back on i I know I'm behind you don't have to shut me off. I'm going, uh did you see what happens outside? you know so you, you'll be calling the city department asking them to do something about the water or you'll be doing something with your well, you know how far? Are you as an individual willing to walk to get water? Now think about your brothers and sisters in those areas. They are willing to go get dirty water for drinking. They are willing to walk five miles to just go get dirty water and to drink it. That dirty water, ladies and gentlemen, it's infested with uh, with parasites. Not only that, check this out, you know, uh, you have these animals that are called cattle. You have these animals that are called uh, crocodiles. You have any, every kind of animal. Guess where they drink? And guess where, you know, sometimes they do uh, their business (laughs) in that water. And then, guess where people bathe. So uh, And guess where they wash their, they do their laundry. you know, the same water that they drink, the same river where they get the water, they drink. That's, that's the shower, that's the bathtub, that's uh, the toilet for animals, and uh, the drinking water for animals. So, you know, they are willing to walk that far to get dirty water to drink and take that risk. And again, uh, when you look at that, just giving you simple statistics, a third of Zambia's population has no clean water. Okay, a third. And what, 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 what year are we in? You know, we are in 2022 and they have no, a third of the population has no clean water.
1: I don't remember the exact yeah. um, population off the top of my head, but Zambia is about the size of Texas.
0: It's, a, it's about uh, 12 million people.
1: Mm-hmm. And So if you think about at least one third of them lack clean water and sanitation type things, it's really staggering.
0: So having said that, you know, it's, uh, this is so dear, to my heart. It's it breaks my heart every time I think of it. I am a product, ladies and gentlemen, that survived that dirty water. I'm that product. God protected me. Some of the some of the kids were not that blessed. About three out of 10 children die before the age of 10 from parasite. Not only that, we have uh, in Zambia, we have the best infrastructure. We have the best roads in the world. I'm telling you, those are the greatest roads. You know. Uh, you are in church. Let me, yes. <laughs> you know uh, this is how great these roads are you know to travel uh, about 17 kilometers it takes you more than an hour you know now think about that you have this sick child you're trying to take them to the to the clinic 17 kilometers away and and you know the parents in the villages they're you know, they, t- they think the child is just fasting and uh, by the time they realize the child is sick, it's what? You know, it's too late. By the time they get to their clinic, in, in the clinic, they don't have medicine. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? You know, they die. See, this is something that we can prevent. It's something preventable. We give them clean water. We give them education. We give them, most of all, spiritual life. Jesus says that. I'll give you living water. Yeah.
1: So you know, living here, how essential water is to every part of our lives. It's just as essential to theirs. So we buy our vegetables and our fruit and what have you at the grocery store, and hopefully we all go home and we have clean water to wash that in. So they, they grow a lot in the rural areas of Zambia. They have gardens, fields, and they grow good, healthy vegetables. But guess what they still have to be washed in? Dirty water. Um, It impacts so many parts of their lives. We were able, when we were in Zambia in 2016, the Lord uh, just had about five families hand money to us. Uh, Within two and a half weeks of us leaving, we didn't even know that it was happening. And they said, this is for a well in Zambia. So, We were excited that the Lord had done that, and we're thinking, okay, we're going to be over there a month. We'll be able to get a well in and try to figure things out and what we're doing. We left here on a Saturday. By the following Saturday, that well was in. Um, The Lord had—gives me goosebumps just thinking about it— The Lord, and we spent three days in the capital city, which is another six to eight hour drive, depending on the roads (laughs) from the village where we were going, actually from the town that was still an hour from the village. Um, But we had spent three days in the capital city because of rioting. So if you think about it, within four days of us actually getting to the area where we were going to be for that month, um, we had a well in that has continued to produce for the last six years. They just replaced it casing, if I'm not mistaken, in that well. And that well was strategically located at the church there at the village where we stay. Um, There were lots of tears the night we saw water coming out of the ground because we had wanted to do that for so long for his family and had not been able to. But like I said, the the well was strategically located at the church so that anyone who came to the church could go home with clean water. They could bring their water jugs and go home. So it was within a year or two that there was a drought and all the other wells in that area, farmers that that lived relatively close to to Bornwell's family's farm, um, their wells had gone dry and the only well that continued working during that drought was the well that the Lord put in in 2016. And some of those people who were not always friendly to sharing clean water with their neighbors were coming to that well at the church to get clean water to take home to their families. That well has made a huge difference just in that little area there. And that's what we want to see with the Matthew 7:12 12 project. Um, so part of while we're, we leave for Zambia August 5th, And part of while we're there, what we will do is identify um, strategic locations where we can put water wells in, um, hopefully at rural churches and rural schools that will impact several uh, village communities uh, for the greatest impact possible. Um, So when we come back, we will be then visiting churches, raising awareness, uh, organizations as well. We've received several donations at this point, um, and sharing faces of the, of the people that you will actually be able to help impact and pray for as, as we work to do that. So our goal with the organization is to create strategic partnerships with churches, with individuals, um, and organizations that want to come alongside to do to others as you would have them do to you if you were in that situation. That is the, the whole idea there.
0: So what makes the Matthew 7 project different from, uh, uh, from uh, uh, any other organizations that have uh, embarked on drilling wells in, uh, in, ru- in, 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 in Africa? You know, because uh, the, whole, the whole of Africa, ladies and gentlemen, is clean water is a problem, not just in Zambia. The whole Africa, you know. uh, So what makes us different? You know, the the difference is uh, in what we believe. You know, in uh, uh, Matthew seven twelve, uh, it says, uh, "Do unto others as you would have them do unto you." See, that's uh, that's what is driving our. It, it, it's based on that scripture, and that's what makes us unique. You know, the word of God is going is the forefront. It's the driving force on that. Uh, because of that, you know, it sets us apart. Because that's, you know, what would I want someone to do for me? Would I want them to help me when I'm in need?
1: The second thing that'll set us apart will be we believe that our Lord was intentional with us. He was intentional when he sent Jesus. And so our commitment will be with, to approach the Matthew 7:12 project and all partnerships and relationships, stateside as well as in Africa with intentionality and excellence, um, the way that the Lord has, has taught us in scripture to lead our lives. And so that, that will be one thing Um, I believe that that sets us apart.
0: Uh, Most of you are probably wondering what kind of uh, pumps we would be installing there. There are two types of pumps that you can install. uh, And I call them pumps. They are hand pumps. You know, you pump pump them by hand to to draw water. Uh, There's uh, what is known as the Indian Mark II pump which is the most popular pump you can find there. However, there's a problem with that, uh, with that kind of a pump. It's a piston pump. Uh, It can uh, pump water for up to six months and then you start having downtime. You know, you start having uh, uh, parts breaking. And uh, the problem with that is uh, Having to replace those uh, those parts, they are cheap, but it's finding them, and uh, not only that, you have to take the whole pump, the whole thing out, to put just a rubber bushing, you know, just an O-ring, you know. uh. So, and not only that, the Indian Mark II pump can only go up to, the deepest it can go is 50 meters, which is, uh, how many feet is that?
1: Oh, roughly 50 times three. Yeah,
0: 50, so 150 feet, that's uh, the deepest it can go. But the the pump that we are trying to to use is uh, called a life pump. And believe it or not, it's made in Ohio. You know, we in Ohio, uh, just behind us uh, in, uh, what is that, Gehenna?
1: And the, uh, the story about how that all came into being is just an amazing story and a God incident of its own. Um, that organization that our board has decided to partner with started working on their pumps in 2011 and 2012, the same time that, that we were given the dream for this project. And we didn't even know they existed until February of this year, January, February of this year, when we met with them the first time.
0: You know, and they are also a Christian organization, so that, that makes it
1: And guess you know. when they're getting ready to go into Zambia to really start they have a couple pumps in Zambia, but they're getting ready in twenty twenty two to go into Zambia full time, or not full time, but as a big portion of, of their ministry. Um, and and start putting in pumps over there at the same time that the Lord has brought our project to fruition to start for us to start fundraising for the same type of thing.
0: So that's that's the kind of a pump that we would like to go with and it's a hand pump, it's kinda of like a bicycle, you know, you pump it like that. So it's not a piston pump, it's a spiral pump which is less likely to break because it has, the only part it has is the rod, the steel rod, that's the spiral. You know, you know uh, those drilling augers, you know, what you use for drilling, that's how that works exactly like that. That's how that, the life pump works. And not only uh, is that advantageous, it has also, you know, uh, the, the production, it's a hundred, it's pretty much a hundred percent uptime. You know, the first maintenance of that pump is after five years, you know. Uh, that, you know. The question I ask, you know, you have this cake that's fully baked, that's has gone. You to it, and then you have a half-baked cake. Which one are you going to go for? Which one, which pump would you like? those people to have? How, uh, how, how long how, would you
1: like to have? How long,
0: <laughs> how long would you like to have clean water? Would you like to have clean water six out of uh, 12 months? Or would you like to have clean water uh, 12 months or year round? So that's, that's the question. You know, my father used to say it's wrong to do nothing when you have the power to do something about it. How long are you willing to go without clean water? Yeah, and that's, that's, that's what we are looking for, and that, that, that's what this, this pump uh, will help us. And not only is it 100% uptime, uh, the interesting thing we can monitor it from this end. We'll know when that pump is down,
1: or if See? production goes down, or if production if goes up, goes what? up, it'll be able to be monitored stateside. And if if there appears to be a glitch of some sort, we can request a team over there to go out and um,
0: take a look at that. Yeah. So that's that's the advantage of the uh, the live pump. And uh, after, after each project, you know, at the, uh, there'll be at the dedication of the well, or at the dedication of the work that has been done at a school, or at the dedication of the, uh, the work that has been done at a church, there's always going to be a gospel presentation. Because what is our number one goal? First and foremost is to touch spiritual lives. See, we want those people to have the living water that Christ has promised. See, you guys have the living water. And we want them to have the living water as well. So that is, uh, that's the main part, you know, the main closing part is for them to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for them as well as for us. He died for the whole world. You know, so that, is, that will be at every project that we do, there will be a team presenting the message.
1: So um, we have some things from Zambia at the back pictures after church today if you have questions if you want to look at things um, we have we're in the process of our our logos back there we've been working with one of our board members has been working with a, an agency and so we're almost done with our logo um, so we have a, an example of it back there so we had i had created because we had started speaking people had started inviting us to to come to churches and speak and I had created a, I call it my generic prayer card until I get one with the logo on it. Um, So we have that back there. We will have, we have a website that's up, but our young man who's helping us with that was graduating from college this spring. So that is still very much in the works. There'll be some other things, but so we have some prayer cards back there. And um, we also have some, I guess, partnership sheets. One, just to give you an example, You know, us individually at the price of a well, we can't go over there and do that. Just kind of like the way we approach some of our projects here at the church, working together is how we make a difference and an impact. Um, Most of us don't have the resources to do it individually. So just uh, right now, I sat down and crunched some numbers, and I'm like, if we could get 50 giving units, just 50 people or families or what have you, that would donate $40 a month for a year, that group of 50 people could put in a well.
0: And how many people would that well serve? Probably at least close to 200 people in a community. You know, that's how many lives you would be touching.
1: I'll be able to fine-tune some of those numbers once we're actually in Zambia and we identify projects and communities that we want to serve and, and put fit names and faces together. But, um, so this partnership sheet's back there as well. If you just want to, like, we'll, we'll do, start to do, after I get we get back from Africa, probably like a quarterly newsletter, if you would like to receive that and of course you guys see us every week so pretty much Um, but you can include your email and I'll make sure that you get on that as we move forward with things and kind of keep you updated with with what's going on so we'll have those things at the back after service as well. I will leave so Bornwell can get started.
0: uh how many of you uh brought lunch <laughs> i'm serious about that how many of you brought lunch you know you know the beauty the beauty about me speaking today there's a silver lining the silver lining is that there's no football game and there's no soccer games on so <laughs> i know if there are football games i would be <laughs> I'd be stoned if I took longer, but anyway, uh, it's kind of weird, you know, seeing Pastor Chris sitting. There. <laughs> you know, I, I I usually usually I fill in when the pastor is not here, but seeing him sitting there, it's kind it's 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 so weird. Uh, so there. You know yesterday we were we were on our way to Mansfield uh, to visit family and uh, we were reading this devotion so I was going to change my my message to that but I thought Amy would kill me if I did that you know she worked she worked so hard on the bulletin and uh, then 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 the other thing that uh you know As I was looking at the bulletin, I'm going, is this, am I being punished uh, for being gone last Sunday? You know, that I have to do special music and I have to do the presentation of the message. I I was kind of expecting Dr. Carver to say, hey, Boyne, would you do Sunday school? You know, (laughs) I was kind of expecting that, you know. But anyway, uh, enough of that. So, our scripture passage, you see there, it's Matthew uh, chapter 22, verses 30, 35 to, 30, to 40. You know, uh, it, it's a passage that we are so familiar with. It, you know, it, and it's also found in Mark chapter 12, in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. In Mark chapter 12, it says that, it says that, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Come on. With all your heart, you know, with all your heart, and it doesn't stop there, and it says with all your what, after your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't stop there. See, before that, before that, he he was talking to, he was talking uh, uh, with the Sadducees, and he had just silenced them. And then uh, this, this Jewish, these Jewish Jewish people that think that they are you know they are more smart than the others. See, he comes he comes says the lawyer says, huh, "Hey, dude, what is the greatest command?" You know, he asked Jesus that question. And the whole reason for asking Jesus that question was what? Was it was that really a genuine question? Was he truly seeking a genuine answer to that question? No, he was not. Because they were trying to test Jesus to catch him, to trip him. So Jesus says that, love the Lord your God. And not only does he say that, he says that, oh, and by the way, there's also a second one that is important. Love your neighbor as And then, let's kind of backtrack. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we find that, you know, it says that this is so important. Jesus, God says that love, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your, the same we find in the New Testament. But then, if we jump to Leviticus, to the book of Leviticus, if we jump there, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, we find a second part of that second command Jesus refers to. We find it there. He says that he says that love your neighbor as yourself. So see, this whole this whole battle started back then, back in the old testament. See, they understood what it meant to love God. They understood what it meant to love your neighbor. See, they thought they did. But did they truly understand what it meant to love your neighbor? I don't think so. I think they were misguided. You know, uh, loving your neighbor, ladies and gentlemen, loving your neighbor isn't the easiest thing. Okay, it's not the easiest thing. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. I have these neighbors across our house. You know, I have so hard time with them. You know, it's just just so challenging to love them. I struggle. You know? So I ask God, I say, now, you say, to, you say to love your neighbor. Look at what they have done to me. You know, why should I love them? See, loving your neighbor is a challenge. It's not one of the easiest things. How many of you have, uh, have neighbors that, you know, that rob you the wrong way? By the way, my neighbors, across my house, they are the best neighbors we have had. You know, you know how challenging is it? You know, loving, loving your neighbor as yourself, ladies and gentlemen, is found eight times in the Bible. How many times? Eight. Not just once. Why is, that, why is that important? What, you know, Jesus says it eight times to just remind you and I how important it is to love your neighbor. You know, the the question, you know, but loving your neighbor as yourself isn't always easy. That's why God made it a command. See, he says, love your neighbor. He says, will you please? He doesn't say, will you please love your neighbor? Or may you please love your neighbor? If he says that, if he says, may you, Please love your neighbor. That gives you what? An option, doesn't it? But see, we go back in the Old Testament. He tells tells the Israelites to love your God. Love your God. And then we jump back into the New Testament. Jesus says, love your God. And not only that, love your neighbor. You and I are commanded to love. We are commanded to love. (laughs) Uh, popular culture today, let's look at the popular culture. What is so important today? Is loving your neighbor one of the most important things? It's about who? Me. Me and me alone, I'm the most important thing. You know, my neighbor comes down the line. See, that is, ladies and gentlemen, that's, the the popular culture today says that. Love those who what? Who you have common interest with. You know, love those that you have, love your friends. But Jesus says that if you love those who love you, how different are you? Are you any better than they? How easy is it, ladies and gentlemen, to love the unlovable? You and I are unlovable. Let's face it. We are, we are covered in sin, aren't we? If, the Bible says if someone tells you that they have no sin, they are So so you and I truly are in love. But God found it in his heart to do what? To still love us, even yet we were sinners. See, God found it easy to love you because of what? Because you are his creation. You are created in his image. You are his child, you know, Uh. so popular belief tells us to just love those who love us who is your neighbor who is your neighbor let me me have takers on that who is your neighbor everyone you come in contact with everyone you come in contact with and I can prove that you want me to prove it to you let's go to Luke chapter 10 let's go to Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse, uh, in verse 25. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. Uh, we find in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, we find the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. There's a reason why it's called the Good Samaritan. Uh, in verse 25, he says, and behold, a certain, law, law, a certain lawyer stood, stood up and uh, tested him, tested him, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit, the etern- to inherit eternal life? Okay, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's a good question, isn't it? He he, is someone who is seeking here, seeking how to inherit the kingdom of heaven. The only problem with that, it was not a sincere question. Based on what the first statement at the beginning of verse verse 25. And then he said to him, what is written in the law? What What is your reading of it? So the lawyer answered. So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And not only he doesn't stop there, he says, and your neighbor is yourself. So Jesus responds, he says, and he said to him, you have answered rightly. Rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, say to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? See, the, the, the lawyer is looking for Jesus to be more specific in his response. He's wanting to know who his neighbor actually, what is Jesus referring to when he says, Who is your neighbor? He says that, I want you to tell me who my neighbor is. Who should I consider my neighbor? See, this guy is hoping for Jesus to answer, to say that, hey, uh, your friends are your neighbors. But let's let's see what Jesus does. Jesus, Jesus answers him with what? With a parable. With a parable. I have lost where I was. What verse was that? And verse thirty. Then Jesus answered and said, "A certain man." Okay, we know the whole story. A certain man was going on his way, and then he fell in the hands of who? The thieves, and they bit, they bit, they they and they pulverized him. See now, uh, please uh, forgive me for just a minute. Let me do something here. May I? Thank you. So, this, this, this guy is beaten up, lying almost to death. So, this teacher, the liver, the teacher of the law, comes and sees this guy. He says, Time for a camera, for a video, but I'm walking away <laughs> around. Okay, and, and not only that, not only does he end there, the Levite, a Levite comes, sees the guy, where's my, where's my phone? Guess where you find it? On social media. Okay? <laughs> On social media. You know, everybody's doing what? Everybody's laughing. Wow, look at that. Haven't you seen that here lately? In our country, haven't you seen that happen? Who is your neighbor? Jesus is using this parable to to, to 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 show who your neighbor is. And then Jesus does it in there. He says that then a what a Samaritan. Remember Samaritan and Samaritans and the Jews were at, at what at odds. Let's go back. Let's go back to the well. Jesus is sitting at the well, and the lady comes. Who is this Samaritan? Comes to the well and says that. She's trying to get water and Jesus says to her, would you give me some water? And what does she respond to him? You are a Jew and you are asking me for water. What's wrong with you? And he says, if only you knew who you were talking to. See, this Samaritan comes walking. He sees this person. And what does he do? You know, So he was the neighbor. He was the neighbor. So what does it mean to love your neighbor? He comes, you know, and before before we get to that, loving your neighbor means receiving what? First, you and I must understand that to love your neighbor, we must first receive God's love. Why is that important? Without God's love, you cannot love. You can genuinely love. Can you? See, that is why it is. Number one, we need to understand what love is. Number two, we need to understand. We need to accept the fact that we are loved. Are you loved? Let me remind you, you are truly loved. Because in John 3, 16, it says that for God so loved the word that he gave His what? For God loved the world. Are you part of the world? If you are part of the world, then you are loved. You must accept the fact that God loves you. Because God is your maker. God is your father. If you don't accept that, you will not be able to love your neighbor. You will not truly love your neighbor. Uh I'm hot. Loving your neighbor means loving, yourself, uh, loving ourselves first. See, if you can't love yourself, see, the standard, the standard to love your neighbor, he says that, what does he say? Love your neighbor is what? If you can't love yourself, how do you love your neighbor? Tell me. See, because everything, the standard of loving your neighbor is based on what? On how you love yourself. So let me ask you a question. Who are you to not love what God loves? See, so what does God love? The whole world. God loves the whole world, isn't it? Who are you not to love what God loves? So uh, understanding that, so loving your neighbor means loving ourselves as well. We must love ourselves. Loving your neighbor means acting with compassion. Loving your neighbor means acting with compassion. Compassion is a proactive thing. Now, let's go back to the Good Samaritan. He sees this this person lying down, almost dead. And he had what? Compassion on him. So, What did compassion do? Compassion, truly genuine compassion, does not sit idly. Compassion forces you to do something about it. So guess what the good Samaritan did? He went down there, bandaged this poor guy. And not only did he bandage him, he puts him on what? on his donkey and takes him to the no in in his ambulance and takes him to the inn to the hospital you know so when jesus asked who is your neighbor he responded with the story of the good samaritan a heart that is moved by compassion cannot sit idly cannot i sit idly by while someone suffers in need Loving your neighbor as yourself is being moved to help to the full extent of your ability. A compassionate heart cannot sit idly. It cannot, you know, so compassion, you know, when the good Samaritan had compassion, he did something about it. Loving your neighbor requires a response. It requires a response. He, the, the Good Samaritan, was forced to do what? He had to respond. He had to respond because that person had a need. He had, first, he had a, he had a need. Secondly, the, the Good Samaritan had compassion on him. And because of that compassion, he was moved to do something about it. Loving your neighbor means there's a cost involved. Okay? Let's continue with the story of the Good Samaritan. After he gets to the inn, he gets the, you know, he gets it first. It cost the Good Samaritan what? He was going somewhere. It cost him time. Okay? It cost him time. It cost him energy. It cost him energy. Not only did it cost him that, it cost him a ride in his ambulance because that means he had to share a ride you know, with someone who was almost dying. And not only that, he gets to the inn. What happens at the inn? He had to pay the innkeeper, didn't he? It cost him money. It cost him resources. And not only does he end there, at his farewell, he says that, with you please take care of this person? If there's any extra cost, when I come back, he was a very trusting man, when I come back, let me know how much extra I owe you. See, loving your neighbor has a cost. Are you willing to, to love your neighbor Are you willing to love your neighbor? Uh, It's an amazing thing. Reflect with me. Reflect with me for just a minute on God's love for you and me. Did it cost him anything? Did it cost God anything to redeem you and I? Did it cost him anything because he loved you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life and no perish. See how much did it cost God to redeem you and I? How much was God willing to give you life? He gave it all. He gave it all. You know, so, loving your neighbor is something very challenging. Who is our neighbor? We go back to that question. Who is our neighbor? Who do you see? Whoever you meet or see today is your neighbor. And the Bible doesn't specify, Jesus doesn't specify in this story. He says, this good Samar- Samaritan Showed neighborliness. He was the neighbor. But we have these, the two, the two, the lawyer uh, and uh, and the Levite that walked by because they did not want to be involved. God calls you and I to be involved in the building of His kingdom. See, He wants you and I to be a part of that. The question is you know the question is are you willing to be a part of the building of the kingdom of heaven See that's where we are as we love our neighbors We have three things to offer We have three things to offer our time our talent and our resources the rest of it is up to whom to God are we willing? You know, uh, are you willing to walk with him? See, are you willing to work side by side with him? There's an excellent, you know, you know, the, 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 that that's in that's in in, in in in. If we continue in in First John chapter three verse seventeen, it says, "If anyone has the words." Uh, goods and sees his brother and in uh, his brother in need, yet does yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? If I have the resources to help and I close my heart, my heart, how do I reflect God? We're supposed to be the reflection of the Father. Jesus says that if you have seen me, you have seen who? The Father. Uh, and then, you know, uh, well, I will pray for you. Have you ever said that? I will pray for you. Have you ever told someone that I'll pray for you? Have you? I have. I have. <laughs> But, but if one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Excellent question. What good is that? If I tell someone that, hey, I'll be praying for you and I don't pray for them, how, what good is that? See, we are called to action. We are called to act. And that's James chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, you know, so, ladies and gentlemen, loving your neighbors requires each one of us to act. It requires compassion. Compassion, when you have compassion, it moves you to do something about it. When you have the ability to do something about And and you sit, you know, you're not accomplishing anything. We as believers in Christ, we are commanded to love unconditionally and to show no favoritism. See, when we love our neighbors, we love unconditionally. When God loved us, he loved us unconditionally. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross unconditionally. Are you willing to walk the journey with God? Are you willing to work together with him? Are you willing to be used by God to touch your life? You know... It's a challenge. He, you, ladies and gentlemen, are the measuring stick of what it means to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as who? As yourself. How much do you love yourself? I think Bill told me that he'll work 10 steps to go get clean water. You know, think about your brothers and sisters. How far do they walk? I'd rather have them walk 10 kilometers to get clean water than dirty water. It's worth it. It's worth it. I leave you with that. Thank you. Would you stand for the benediction